Today, we're going to wrap up our series that we began a few weeks ago entitled Shaped by God. And uh, my prayer is that you have, uh, that you've really not only kind of listened to these messages, but I hope that you've really processed what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. I hope that you have come to a place. Here's my prayer. I've been praying, God, help Liberty Church, every person that calls Liberty Church their home, whether in person or online, let every person come to a place where we recognize that I don't have to compare myself and I don't have to criticize or critique myself, that I can actually celebrate who I am in Christ. That I can come to the place like the Psalms that says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I can begin to celebrate who God made me to be and understand that each person, listen to the sound of my voice today, has been shaped by the very hand of God. And you are uniquely fashioned for His glory. And I hope you embrace that. I hope you fully embrace who you are and what God has called you to be because you were created for God and you were created by God. Amen? So let's just look at our foundational scripture today as we kind of wrap this up and hopefully put some pieces together and create a beautiful picture of what God has called you to be. Psalms 139 verse 13 and 14 says this, For you formed my inward parts and you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made and marvelous are your works that my soul knows. Very well. Let's just revisit a couple thoughts. We said that we are shaped by God. We all have a divine DNA. Our bodies, literally, literally your physical body, your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and your spirit, the eternal part of who you are, have all been uniquely shaped by the Lord. You are not an accident. You were created on purpose and for a purpose. We said that your divine shape can be discovered through five specific attributes. The word shape, S-H-A-P-E, kind of gives us an acronym to help us easily remember that we are shaped by God. I hope that every time you hear the word shape and somebody describes the shape of something, I hope you think about the idea that you have been shaped by God. You have been fashioned literally by the hand of the Lord and that you are not an accident that's waiting to happen. You are a created individual with a divine purpose and mission that has been orchestrated by the hand of God, the Bible says, before the foundations of the world. That's a pretty powerful thought when you think about it. Amen. So last week we kind of looked at that word shape. We began to look at the first two letters. We said the letter S stands for our spiritual gifts. We said there are three kinds of spiritual gifts listed in the Bible. We have gifts from the Father, gifts from the Son, and gifts from the Holy Spirit. And we said the purpose of those spiritual gifts is to help us help others, right? God wants to supernaturally empower you so that we can help other people become what God has called them to be. So God has gifted you not for you. God has gifted you for other people. And the Bible says your gift will make room for you and bring you before great men. And we talked about last week how that God hasn't gifted you so he can make you famous. God has gifted you so he can make you helpful and impactful so that the world can be changed because of the greatness of God and the gift of God that's on the inside of you. 
And then we looked at the second letter, which is the letter H. And we said the letter H stands for heart. And we recognize that God has given you a unique heart, a unique passion, right, that sets you apart from all other people on planet Earth. You have a passion. We said you're passionate about certain things, and you're actually passionate about certain people. Some of you have a heart for the homeless. Some of you have a heart for those in addiction. Some of you have a heart for marriages and families. Some of you have a heart to see entrepreneurs succeed and rise up and become what God has called them to be, to finance the kingdom of God and to advance the agenda of God's work in the earth. I don't know what your heart and I don't know what your passion is, but I know that God put it there. God uniquely fashioned you with a heart and a passion that burns for Him. And there are specific things in your heart that drive you and compel you to make your unique shape. Today we're going to look at the last three letters of the word shape and kind of pull this little puzzle together. So let's look at the letter A. The letter A A is for abilities. Our natural abilities, like spiritual gifts, make us unique. These abilities, however, can be earned and learned through hard work and determination. Last week we talked about how that your spiritual gifts can't be earned or learned, right? You don't earn it and you don't learn it. God just gives it to you. And the Bible says every man is gifted by God through spiritual gifts according to the will of the Holy Spirit who deposits those gifts in our lives. And so we recognize when it comes to my spiritual gifting, I didn't earn it and I didn't learn it. Now I have to cultivate it and I have to grow it and I have to, I have to facilitate what God has put in my heart. But the realization is the gifts that God gave me spiritually are not anything that I earned or I learned. It's something that God divinely according to His will put in our hearts and put in our lives but when it comes to natural ability what's exciting about natural ability is that natural ability can be earned and natural ability can be learned right how many know that babies that were born didn't automatically come out of the wound being doctors and lawyers and airplane pilots (laughs) maybe close But somewhere along the line, they had to earn a degree and they had to learn some things to help them do the things that they do naturally that helps them to excel in the gift and the calling of God upon their life. Let me give you a couple scriptures and I'm going to hopefully bring this idea home in your heart. Look with me at Proverbs 12 verse 24. It says, the hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. The hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Diligence, I want you to listen to this, not only enables us to rule in life and over things, but I believe the greatest power of diligence is that it empowers us to rule over our own hearts and our own lives. It empowers us to rule over our own lives, refusing, listen to this, refusing to allow a lack of skill, a lack of education, or a lack of training To keep us from our creative purpose. So you have spiritual gifts. You have a heart and a passion. And then you have natural abilities that have to be developed in order for you to fulfill your creative purpose. Now look at the next scripture. 
Proverbs 10.4 says, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Again, I believe diligence not only enriches us financially, but I believe it enriches us with the abilities to do what God has called us to do. So look at that next point. Let's wrap this thought up about what it means to really cultivate, earn, and learn our natural abilities. So it is our heart and our passion that drives us to develop the skills needed to accomplish our creative purpose. Your determination to develop skills and abilities identifies your divine shape. Your determination to develop those skills and abilities, natural skills and natural abilities, help to determine your divine shapes. Let me just use myself as an example. A couple weeks ago, I came home and I told Kelly, I said, I think I'm going to buy a guitar. So I've been hanging out with a guy a little bit, and he plays a guitar, and it was really cool, you know. And I thought, I think I'm going to buy a guitar. And my very wise wife said, that's wonderful. She said, but when are you going to practice, and when are you going to take lessons? I said, well, I'm not. I'm just going to buy a guitar. Because it would be cool, Haley. And I want to play the guitar. No, I don't. And you know why you know that I don't really want to play the guitar? It's because I'm not willing to clear my schedule and practice and take lessons. I got excited about playing the guitar because I hung out with some guitar players. But when the rubber met the road, I was not disciplined or determined enough to cultivate the natural ability to do the thing I said I was passionate about doing. And the realization is, is that many times we think we are passionate about something and we think God has given us a heart for something when in reality we've just been hanging out with some cool people. And the proof is in the diligence and the discipline. If you don't have enough diligence and discipline to develop the natural skills and abilities you need to fulfill your creative purpose, then that is not your creative purpose. I'm going to make a statement to you. I want you to hear me today. Your spiritual gifts, your heart and your passion, and the anointing of God on your life is not enough. For you to do what you were created to do. You have got to develop some natural abilities and skills in order to fully walk in what God has given you. Proverbs says it's the glory of God to conceal a thing. And it's the heart of a king to search it out. See, it's that heart of a king. It's that kingly heart. It's that God-given anointing and passion in your heart that causes you to seek out whatever you're going to seek out. If you have a passion to be a nurse or be a doctor or be a lawyer or be a truck driver, doesn't matter. You're going to have to have some diligence and some discipline to learn the natural abilities to earn and learn the right to operate in the passion and the gift that God has given you. 
And what happens many times in the church specifically is we get around a lot of cool people and we think we have a heart for something that we're really just excited about but not really called to. And the proof is in the putting of your diligence. If you are not diligent and disciplined enough to develop the natural skills, then that thing that you say you're passionate about probably isn't your divine creative purpose. Because this is what I know and this is what you know to be true. When you really tap into your creative purpose and passion, you'll do whatever you have to do. You'll go wherever you have to go. You'll pay whatever you have to pay. You'll sacrifice whatever you have to sacrifice to accumulate the skills, the education, and the training that you need to take the next step because God's called you to do it. 29 years ago, only th almost 30 years ago, this June will be 30 years ago, Kelly and I have been pastoring. And when I started pastoring, I recognized something. I recognized I had a heart, I had a passion. There was a God-given anointing on my life to preach and teach the gospel. But I realized something the first couple years at Liberty Church. This is what I realized. I realized that the vision and the passion, the heart that God had given me to build North Alabama's greatest church, to equip, empower, and release people into the body of Christ, to raise up a thousand laborers leaders and to begin to plant campuses and churches across the nation for the glory of God. If we were going to do what God had put in my heart to do, I realized something. I realized I had some gifts, I had a heart, I had a passion, and there was an anointing, but I was not organized, nor was I administrative. And the Lord showed me, he said, Keith, here are some natural skills that you have got to develop. If you're going to lead North Alabama's greatest church, you don't have to be the most organized and you don't have to be the most administrative. You can delegate some of those things out, but there has to be a level of excellence when it comes to administration and organization in your heart and in your life if you're going to lead this thing to where I've called it to be. So about 25 years ago, I began to become a student of leadership. I began to become a student of those that were organized and those that were administrated. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm not where I want to be, but praise God, I'm not where I used to be. And I can organize and I can administrate and I can get us from where we are to where God's called us to be. Not because I'm that good, but because I've been willing and disciplined and diligent enough to continue to learn and be a student of the things naturally that I didn't normally have so I could do what God had called us to do. And that is so huge in our lives. Spiritual gifts can't be earned and learned, but natural ability can be earned and learned. And it is that diligence and discipline in your life that helps to clarify. So here's the good news. If you don't have the diligence and discipline to pursue something, that's probably not the something God really wants you to pursue. Unless you're just lazy, then get over yourself. Come on, somebody, right? Sometimes you got to kick yourself in the backside just a little bit and say, we got to get up and get going. But how many of you understand there are some things in your life when it comes to diligence and discipline, you'll do everything you got to do, go everywhere you got to go, pay anything you got to pay because that thing burns so deeply in your heart, you're willing to pay the price to pursue it. That's the thing God's created you for. That's the creative purpose. It doesn't mean you can't put your hand to a few other little things, but you begin to recognize this is where God shaped me. And this is where I can have my greatest opportunity to flourish and grow and bring glory to God. Amen? 
Y'all with me this morning? Uh, look at the letter P, the next letter. Letter P is for personality. And this is a fun one. Because your personality is the filter through which you experience the world. Your personality is divinely shaped by God, but like everything, it has to be submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Let me just say this to you real quick. Your personality is not an excuse. I meet people all the time that use their personality as an excuse not to do the things God's called them to do. Not to live with excellence. Not to walk in integrity. Not to be on purpose. Not to be on time. Not to be the person God is calling them up to be. Well, I'm just that kind of person. I'm really not an ex. I'm really not a, I'm not, I'm a, I'm an introvert. I'm not an extrovert. And I just want to encourage you in something today. Your personality is not an excuse. There is no wrong and there is no right personality. We're just different. And your personality is not only the filter, listen to this, not only the filter through which you experience the world, it is also the filter through which you impact the world for the glory of God. Your personality is the thing that expresses the unique expression of who God is. I told you last week, no one can do what you can do the way you can do it. Right? No one can do what you can do the way you can do it. Every now and then I'll meet somebody, they'll say, well, Pastor Keith, why do we need to plant another campus in Bluntsville and Albert? Well, because there are some churches over there. Yeah, you're right, but there's not a Liberty Church over there. There's nobody doing what we're doing the way we're doing it. I'm not saying they're doing it wrong. They're not. They're doing it right, but they're not doing it like we're doing it. And we're not doing it like they're doing it. That's why I can partner with the local pastors in this community and not have competition but have camaraderie because they're doing what we're not doing. We're doing what they're not doing. And we can all work together because souls are going to hell. And we need the church. Come on, somebody. We need the church to arise. And we need Christians to arise. And we need people to celebrate who they are in Christ and understand that my personality is not an excuse. My personality is a gift from God. Yes, it has to be submitted to the Holy Spirit because every personality has a strength and every personality has a weakness. But I can do, I can do what God's called me to do through the unique expression of who I am. And I was thinking this morning about coaching, and, and I was thinking about Mike Ship, who's a part of, our, uh, part of our church here. He was the elementary principal. He was also a high school football coach. Got a big old ring he wears on his finger. And I was thinking about coaches. You think about any sport, and you think about football or basketball. We just got through watching the, the, the basketball uh, playoffs in Kansas, beat North Carolina, and it was really sad. Except for Chris loved it, didn't you, Chris? But you look across those, you look at, look, at, look at the best coaches on the planet. And you know what you recognize? They have a lot of things in common, but they all don't have the same personality. I mean, some of them are crazy screamers and yellers, and some of them are quiet as mouses. Some of them are in your face, and some of them are on the board. It's amazing you look at their personalities and they have all obtained success. They have all won championships. They have all conquered their goals and their dreams. And they all did it, yes, with the same set of skills required, but with unique personalities that helped them to excel in their area of life. And the same is true of each of you. Now, let me go ahead and make a quick plug. If you have never attended our connection track, it is a three-week track. We advertise it every Sunday. Follow Jesus, discover your purpose, and make a difference. It starts the first Sunday of every month at 11 o'clock in the cafe. We would love for you to join that. That is our three-week membership class. And the heartbeat of that connection track is to help you do what we're talking about doing. 
Because on week two, we're going to let you take a spiritual gift assessment and begin to understand the spiritual gifts that you have. And we're also going to give you a personality profile that's going to help you understand how you have been uniquely shaped by God. And your personality, again, is a filter that uniquely expresses the glory of God that's been put on the inside of you. So let's talk a little bit. We've got an image we're going to put up on the screen here. We use what's called the DISC, D-I-S-C profile. And I'm just going to give you a quick rundown here of some personalities. The D profile or D personality is a dominant personality. A person who scores high on the D chart is very active in dealing with problems and challenges. If you're a D personality, you like problems and challenges. You love seeing issues and overcoming them. You know what? I love to solve problems. I love to overcome challenges. And I'm in the right field because guess what? When somebody calls their pastor, they usually don't have an answer. They usually have a a problem. <laughs> and when somebody has a problem, I don't get discouraged by it. I get excited by it because that's an opportunity for us to do the things God has called us to do. And that's help people become what God's called them to be. Amen. And if you're a D personality, you love to solve problems. You love to face challenges. It goes on and simply says this. If you're a D personality, uh, you're often described as demanding, forceful, strong-willed, driving, determined, ambitious, aggressive, and pioneering. That's why every personality has to be submitted to the Holy Spirit because you don't want to be a control freak. All you Ds. Because you can be a control freak if you're not careful. And there's a difference between being a good leader and being a control freak. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. The letter I is inspirational. People who are I, I, high eyes sco uh, score um, high eyes, influence others through talking and activity, and they tend to be emotional. Amen. There you go, James. They are described <laughs> as convincing, magnetic, political, enthusiastic, persuasive, warm, dem demonstrative, trusting, and optimistic, right? They use their influence, and they influence with their words, their enthusiasm, their excitement. They love people. They love activity. They love being a part of what God is doing, and there's, they're inspirational. They raise the bar of the room. When they walk in, and all of a sudden you want to do something when you get around those. For all you eye people, you're like James, we ought to hear you. All the eyes say, woohoo. There you go. If you're an S, people who are high S, they, they want a steady pace, security, and they do not like sudden change. High S individuals are calm, relaxed, patient, possessive, predictable, deliberate, stable, consistent, and tend to be unemotional or poker faced. Let me just tell you something. All the S's. We ought to be thankful for all the S's because it's the S's that make the world go on. Come on, somebody. It's so stable, consistent people that are excited to be a part of the team, that are willing to work behind the scenes, that are able to just say, I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm supposed to do because this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm steady, I'm stable, and I am consistent. And then that C personality. That C personality is cautious. People who are high C's adhere to the rules, regulations, and structures. They like to do quality work and do it right the first time. High C, high C people are careful, cautious, exacting, neat, systematic, diplomatic, accurate, and tactful. All of your engineers should have a little of C in them. All your cabinet makers. Any cabinet makers in the house? If you're a good cabinet maker, you know what? You love details. We're going to do it right, and we're going to do it right the first time, and it's going to be exact. If you're working on <laughs> Space and Rocket Center and you're mixing propellants like Dr. Forrest, you better be exact, too. That's a good thing to be seen. 
If you're a good financial money manager, Brother Jim, who's our financial elder, he is a super C. I mean, he, he loves, it's got to be exact to the point. He can tell you how much, paper, how much money we spent on toilet paper last year. And he can tell you how much you used. And he told me to tell you to cut back. So let's talk about two questions real quick. I'm going to give you a simple assessment of this test. How do you find yourself real quick? Two questions you can ask yourself. Number one, are you aggressive or passive? If you're aggressive, you're probably a D or an I. You're on the top half of that chart. If you're aggressive, you're a go-getter, you're a take-the-bull-by-the-horns kind of person, then you're a D or an I. If you're a little more passive and you're willing to sit back and wait, well, let's just see what's going to happen, and we'll just take our time, and no use getting in a rush, then you're probably a C or an S. The second question is, are you goal-oriented or task-oriented, or are you people-oriented? If you're task-oriented, you're all about accomplishing the goal, then if you're aggressive and goal-oriented, you're a D. If you're aggressive and goal oriented, you're a D. It's all about getting a job done and we got to hit the deadlines and we got to do this and everybody sh better ship up or shape up or move out of the way because we're coming through. If you're an I, that means that you're probably aggressive but you're a people person. And so you're all about people and you're all about the fun and you're all about the party and you're all about being involved in what's happening and you just want to be a part of what's going on. Probably whole, not a whole lot of administrative skill working there. But you sure are fun to be around. If you're a S, then you're passive, but you're also people-oriented. So you want to support the team, and you want to help people, and you want to be a part of what's going on, and you want to come along other people, and you want to make this thing happen because you really care. And if you're passive, but you're goal-oriented, you're probably a C. It's all about the numbers, and it's all about the rules, and it's all about the regulations, and don't you cross my rules, and don't you break outside my box because this is the way we're going to do it. And the realization is all of those personalities, they're not wrong or right. They're just different. And you can excel at what God has called you to do no matter what your personality is. Because every expression of that personality has to be submitted to the Holy Spirit because everyone has strengths and everyone has weaknesses. Look at our last letter, the letter E. The letter E is for experiences. I want you to hear this next little statement. Your past doesn't control or define you, but it does shape you. Your past doesn't control and it doesn't define you, but it does help shape who you are. The truth is everybody in this room has been shaped by the positive and negative experiences of your life. You are very much who you are because of what you have come through. Now, the good news of the gospel is simply this. Your past doesn't have to define you, and your past doesn't have to control you because God heals the broken heart. God can redeem your past, and God can heal you of the wounds of your past, and God can restore to you what was lost through past mistakes and past failures. You don't have to be controlled, and you don't have to be defined by your past. But you do have to understand your past still helps to shape you. And the good, the bad, and the ugly have helped to make you the person you are because your experiences, I want you to think about this, they equip you and empower you to minister to other people and they give you a unique perspective through which you view the world. You see things because of your experiences that other people don't see. You interpret life in a way that other people don't interpret life.
And you have an opportunity to minister to people in a unique way because of how God has ministered to you. Look with me in 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. Speaking of God, the Bible says this, He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. And when they are troubled, listen to this, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. God comforts us in all of our troubles. The fact that you're still standing means that God is working on your behalf. The fact that you're still here today means that God is working on your behalf. He has brought you through some things that you thought you would never come through. And the Bible says He's the God that comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others with the same comfort God's given us. Look at that next point on your outline. What God has brought you through helps to define what God has called you to. What God has brought you through helps to define what God has called you to. When you think about James and Christine Hubbard, who are Celebrate Recovery pastors, and you think about their lives, and you look at the past experiences of addiction and chaos and codependency and all those things that have marked their lives, and now they are leading a ministry of helping people find freedom from the very things that they found freedom from in Christ. As I was putting this message together and praying through this week, the Lord reminded me of an amazing story. Miss Sharon George, many of you know Miss Sharon. Sharon leads our food bank ministry here at the church. And, and I reached out to her this week and asked her permission to share this story because uh, a few months ago I was, I was helping Miss Sharon uh, unload some groceries at the church. And, and uh, if you know Sharon, Sharon and her husband Richard, they've been very successful in their lives. They've worked hard and, and they excelled in business. And they did really good as far as accomplishing the goals they wanted to accomplish. And I was talking to her a few months back, and I said, Miss Sharon, I said, I appreciate your heart to feed the hungry. I said, but I just can't ever imagine you being hungry. Where does this heart and this passion for hungry people come from? And she said, well, Pastor Keith, what you don't know is that when I was about eight years old, my mother passed away. My dad remarried. And then when I was about 16 years old, it was just me and my dad again. And my dad was a truck driver who drove over the road. And this was many years ago. And she said he would go out on the road sometimes for weeks, many times for months at a time. And she said when he would leave to go out on the road as a 16-year-old girl living at home by myself, he would give me money to buy groceries. And she said many times before he made it home, and this is before cell phones and cash app and wire trades and all the things we're so used to today, she said he would go out on the road and many times before he made it back home, the money would run out. She said, so as a 16-year-old girl, I had to learn how to stretch every dollar. And she said there were many times when I was eating the food out of the back of the cabinet just not to go hungry till he made it home. And I thought, how powerful. Because what God brings you through many times helps define what God's called you to. And now over 50 years later, Miss Sharon is making sure that in our communities, nobody goes to bed hungry at night. What a powerful, powerful example 
of how that our experiences are never wasted. They shape our lives. And what God has brought you through many times helps to define what God is calling you to. Amen? Look at this last point. We'll kind of wrap it up together. So your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences all create that unique shape that helps you discover your divine shape in the Lord. Now listen to this last statement right here. But only when you join your life together with other believers through the local church is your full potential released and your life lived to the fullest of God's glory. Your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personalities, your experiences, they all shape you. But only when you join yourself to the body of Christ can you fully release your greatest potential and be the person God has called you to be. You might be thinking, well, Pastor Keith, that's a great thing for a pastor to say because you want everybody to come to church, and absolutely, I want everybody to come to church. But that's not my words. That's God's words. I want you to look with me in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said this. He said, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. And he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. As each part does its own special work. When each part does the part that God created them to do, look what he says. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. See, it's when we connect to the church that we actually fully become what God has called us to be. Because here's the truth. I need you and you need me and we need each other. Amen? We need each other. And there's an element of you becoming who God has called you to be that cannot happen in the context of isolation and separation. It can only happen in the context of community through the local church. You wonder why we make connection tracks and why we launch small groups and why we do growth tracks of discipleship. You wonder why we work so hard to get people connected and gathered together, growing in relationships with one another. It's because we need each other. There's an element of you that can only become you when you connect yourself to other people and when those people are connected to the body of Christ. Amen. Let's just bow our heads today. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're watching online and maybe you realize something. Maybe you realize that not only are you not really connected to the local church, but maybe you realize you're not really connected to Christ. It's great that you're in church today, and it's great that you're a part of our online campus if you're watching us online, but I want to just tell you something. What's more important than being in church, it's actually required, and that is that you be in Christ. We talked about it during baptism today. Jesus told Nicodemus, a religious man who was in church, who knew the Bible and prayed and lived a moral, godly life, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. It's not enough to be in church. You've got to be in Christ. 
And if you've never been born again, if you've never been saved, accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, then today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. And I love this little quote, and I don't know who said it, but I love it because it simply says this, God did not send his son Jesus to die and rise again so that bad people could become good people. But he sent his son to die and rise again so that dead people could come alive. Because if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you're still dead in your sins and you're separated from God. And the Bible says if you die in that condition, there is no hope. There's an eternity without God in a place called hell that Jesus died for that we would never have to go there. So if you're here this morning, you're watching online, and you say, Pastor Keith, I've never done that. I've never been born again, but today I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want you just really boldly just to slip your hand up. Just a simple act of faith. Today, I want to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. His hands are going up. Our ushers are going to come. They're going to slip a little packet in your hand, and we're going to pray a prayer together here in just a minute. I'm here today, Pastor Keith. I want to accept Christ. I want to be born again. If that's you, raise your hand. I want to pray with you. If you're watching online, hit that little hand emoji. Type in that chat box. I'm raising my hand because we want to pray with you this morning. Pastor Keith, why do I have to raise my hand? It's just an act of faith. Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father and His angels. But if you confess me before men, I will confess you. It's just an act of confession. It's acknowledging, hey, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior and I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. So let's just do this. We're going to pray together. If you've raised your hand here in the house, if you've raised your hand online, we want to pray this prayer together. I'm going to ask everybody out loud, with every eye closed, every head bowed, let's say it together. Everybody in the room here today, let's say it together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I receive you and the gift of eternal life that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, welcome to the family. If you received a packet this morning, there's a card on the front. If you would fill that out and just give that to one of the ushers on the way out today. And inside that packet is just a little next step believer's booklet to help you take the next step in what God wants to do in your life. God bless you today. We love you. See you Saturday. Invite somebody, bring somebody. And if you haven't registered your family for the Easter egg hunt, go ahead and do that today. God bless you guys. We love you.